Yeah, it comes down to, I would say, Jerome's due diligence up front, you know, when you're under contract for an asset and really understanding the market. We invest in markets, at least when we started out to local markets where I knew what the market rents were. Whenever we did a pro forma, we never assumed that we would get to the rents I think we would get. And we ultimately did get to, you know, we, we kind of look at, okay, where's, where's the competition? What amenities does this building have? What doesn't our have? Can we put that in ours? Can we get to that level? I always kind of underwrite be- a little bit below um, what the competition is too, because at least we're not setting the bar. As an operator, I know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing, and I'm looking to learn from other investors' mistakes. I know you are too, and you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host, Jerome. I got my main man from New Jersey with me today. Anthony, how are things up north? Jerome, things are doing pretty good, except we had a big storm the other day, which took down some trees at one of my properties. Another unexpected expense, but we're able to uh, mitigate it pretty quickly with some uh, existing vendor relationships. So, yeah, other than that, things are good, man. Thank you. Nothing like the existing vendors, people you can call on in the pinch and they get you taken care of versus having to go to the street and find somebody who, you know, you don't know what you're actually going to get. I'm actually going through that right now with roofers because you don't put roofs on very frequently. And I don't pay before people start doing work and they don't want to do work before they have some money in their pocket. And so we're doing this really sexy dance that's really irritating and inefficient for me. So exactly, exactly. Well, thanks for having me. No, glad to have you, man. Appreciate the opportunity to come share with you on your show. So to get you back and allow you to share with our community is amazing. So do me a favor. Tell the listeners a little bit about you so they get a context of who you are and what you've done. Yeah, sure. To make a long story short, my name is Anthony Scandariato. I'm the co-founder and managing principal at Red Knight Properties. I have another business partner as well, Brian Leonard. So one of the co-founders. And uh, we have approximately 500 units under management, which equates to about $70 million, where middle market, multifamily, mixed use, and self-storage operators, and also property managers as well. So we kind of have a vertical integration going on. And we're based, as Jerome said, in New Jersey, where we have properties in four different states right now, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, and Florida. So we're looking to still expand in our existing areas and hopefully get into the, the Carolinas like Jerome. So looking at that market pretty heavily. But uh, that's a little bit about me and my company. You know, we are focused on value add, you know, I would say garden style, one or two story walk up apartment buildings that might be considered C assets that we try to bring up to C plus, B minus, you know, with exterior improvements and interior improvements, um, really improving you know, communities that may have been underserved, you know, prior. Um, so we kind of have a, a mission in regards to the business as well when we're going into these untapped uh, communities, um, really revitalizing areas. So outside of that, I've been in the business for about seven years. I actually worked for another real estate sponsor. So I got some experience for about six years prior to full-time being with my company, Red Knight, doing multi-tenant class A office buildings. And that's a whole different asset class, as I'm sure you're aware, Jerome. 
It's a different asset class with a different skill set and different demands and, you know, all the other things. So that's awesome. So tell me, man, what is the biggest lesson you learned in working with that other operator? Because I think we can learn something from everybody. Absolutely. Um, You know, to put it this way, you're not learning on your dime, which is great because there's little risk to you except your time. So I learned a lot of different ways to structure deals, different ways to manage buildings, different ways to pick up the pieces when there's, you know, a tenant dispute or lease dispute. I saw many different things over that time period and was pretty involved. It was, you know, they third party managed a lot of assets. So from the corporate side, I got to see, you know, when things went wrong, how they were able to pick up the pieces quickly, which was really incredible. So I applied that to my business when something, you know, inevitably always something, you know, doesn't go the way that you anticipate, you know, multifamily in general is a great asset class for investment. But as you know, Jerome, it's not all smoke and mirrors. It's, you know, it's, you have issues that you want to make sure you mitigate along the way. I mean, you started talking about trees falling on properties and well, perfect example of that is you don't want to submit an insurance claim. You don't want that stain on your record. How can you find a way to get rid of the trees without notifying insurance? You know, certain things like that can just really hurt you, especially if you think it's, oh, my insurance is a thousand dollar deductible. Yeah, they'll cover it. Well, now you've got a stain on your insurance. Guess what? Anytime a carrier underwrites you, that's going to be with you. The sponsors had losses and it's always going to affect the carriers that you try to get in the future. So things like that, that I wouldn't have thought of. I learned from the prior company before starting mine because I would have just filed a claim. Oh, yeah, I'm at a thousand dollars, you know, and they're going to take care of it. Nope. Try to find another way. Especially on something that's not catastrophic, right? Maybe if the tree fell on the building and broke the roof and you got it, but you know, you just cleaning up some trees that are down, even though it could be a few thousand dollars, probably not worth it in the long run. So, all right, that's awesome, man. And, you know, insurance is, it can be messy. So I, with all the properties, I think you said like 500 units and running a property management company and all this stuff, everything goes perfectly every time, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. 100%. Nothing's wrong. No. There's issues every single day, mostly on the grounds at each of the properties. The way we operate is we have the property management division and we have the syndication investment division as well. So we, we're dual full. So we have maintenance managers on the ground in each in each state that we hire through our management company, as well as third-party leasing agents who are technically not in our payroll, but they're contracted. So mostly we're handling the maintenance work with the maintenance managers. So we just had a storm in Florida. Um, We're recording this in early July. So we're still dealing with a little bit of cleanup for that. Thankfully, we didn't get get hit uh, as as bad as some of the other areas, but we did get some ponding in, in one of the areas. It really comes down to when you have issues, at least from what I'm seeing, it comes down to who you hire to manage the assets for you in the first place. Because, you know, if you have the wrong superintendent or the wrong maintenance manager or wrong contractor um, that's not creative or doesn't, you know, really, if like, you know, for example, with the storm in Florida, there were some water coming up in some of the units, you know, underneath the concrete. And the handyman that the maintenance manager we hired has experience in taking care of that instead of hiring a maintenance manager that has you know no experience in hurricanes or you know windstorms in Florida um, and then he'll just you know like you said before you want to call a vendor and 
They might take two days or a week sometimes to come out. That's not acceptable, especially when you're dealing with storm damage. It's got to be quick. So it really comes down to, and we made this mistake in the beginning of our career, really not hiring the right maintenance managers, you know, things that slip through the cracks, you know, water leaks from different areas, roof leaks we weren't aware of, you know, when we had the wrong maintenance person there. I would say it really comes down to your team, man, at the end of the day, you know, regardless of whether it's property management or on the investment side, you really got to be on, on top of your game because things, things come up. Real estate's not, you know, it's, it's great. You can make a lot of money and we have and continue to do so. But, you know, it's every day is, is, is a challenge on the management side for sure. Wow. 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 Okay. So in, in all these years of doing the business, What's been the most interesting misstep that you guys have encountered? I kind of what I was saying before, hiring the wrong superintendent. We we you know bought a building in New Jersey in 2019. It was a 51 unit complex, and we hired a superintendent within like a couple month period. We didn't do any due diligence. We didn't do any screen. We didn't do a background check. We didn't do a criminal record. You know, we just kind of went with our gut. It was through a referral, and uh, he was a disaster. He was you know calling vendors for every little thing that came up on the property. He, he literally, if a tenant had an issue with their electric, maybe there was a part in their apartment that the electric was out, he would call the tenant and tell them how to change, how to flip their breaker instead of just walking 10 feet over and doing it for them. So it was, it, you know, the expense of having him on the payroll. And then he literally would call vendors. We talked about it, vendors each time there was an issue without addressing the issue himself. You know, that that was definitely our, our biggest mistake. And fortunately, uh, we had to make a transition. He was good about it. Um, and now we have somebody great there that has plumbing experience, HVAC experience. He actually used to be an electrician in the union. So, you know, when anything comes up now, he takes care of it. And if it's outside his scope, you know, we built up that trusted vendor source throughout the years that he'll reach out to. So definitely not as much on the expense load. But yeah, just... Again, like I said, it comes down to your your managers. So um, you don't want to slip through the clack, the cracks with that. Wow. So, you know, don't trust your gut when you're hiring. What you guys do to change the process so that like this doesn't ever happen again? Well, you know, Jerome, when you screen a tenant, you usually send them a background check and you look into their past employment. You call their employers. How was, you know, how was he? And you get a resume. So <laughs> we, we kind of went the traditional, you know, I think we found them from Indeed our new one, but we had maybe 30 people apply and we sorted through the top five or so. And we were able to call references. That's important. Um, able to, like I said, to do a background check. Mostly the criminal was, was the big one. So none of that came up and he was clean and he had all the skills we were looking for. So a little bit more, I would say, professional approach. I've seen this happen too with many mom and pop owners. They might own a 50 unit building. It might be the only building they own. And they might have maybe a family member doing the maintenance or whatever, but it might not be as efficient as it should be as a, you know, sophisticated or should be sophisticated real estate um, management company or operator. A lot of people want to be profitable multifamily operators, but lack the knowledge, deal flow, experience and capital to be successful. They often try to overcome these challenges out of order, slowing or eliminating their ability to get their next deal done. We've developed a framework that allows them to gain the knowledge they need to find profitable deals. When they do, they create the time and location freedom, as well as the generational wealth they desire for their family. 
the Myers methods of multifamily investing have proved to be the fastest way to establish credibility and properly grow an apartment portfolio. If you want to know more about our four-step process, jump over to MyersMethods.com to get our free four-step guide to getting into multifamily investing. Let's get back to the episode. Got it. Okay. So most people don't actually hear the phone calls that maintenance people make or their interactions with residents. How did you know he was telling people to kind of do things themselves? And how did the word travel through the grapevine on the decisions that we're making? Because a lot of times we just want to, you know, push it away and and let the person who's on site handle it. Right. And it's it's still, it's still a struggle to deal with that too, in terms of us not getting involved anymore, because we, we have, like you said, 500 units now. So it's hard to (laughs) <laughs> be on top of every single unit. So we, we do have somebody on our staff helping us with collection calls, helping us with move-ins and move-outs and talking to the supervised, the maintenance um, managers every single day and leasing agents. So we do have help. So that's 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 important too. Um, at least now we have, we have help. So she is dealing with a lot of that. And then we have a system in place with our property management software and Microsoft Teams set up. So if there's something she can't handle, um, we'll get involved with. And also every weekend, like I go on and my partner goes on and we kind of check, all right, what's going on? Like, what didn't she get to? Who's, what tenant is saying? What, what, what's, what's going on? Are we, are we on budget for this month in terms of expenses? Are we off budget? So we kind of go through a reconciliation process on the tenant side and the accounting side every single week. You know, even though we have a staff that help, yeah, we trust and, and, and is helping us as the operator and, you know, the managing members at the end of the day, you just, they could be the best, you know, worker in the world, but maybe there's something that was missed or, or whatnot. And you just got to be on top of it, especially if you're dealing with on the syndication side, Jerome, as you know, other people's money, you just, you're always trying to make sure that you're, you know, creating a, and maintaining a fiduciary responsibility to make sure that it's protected. So we, we have to do that every single week. And, you know, for us, we invest in all the deals that our, our limited partners invest into. So it's even more because we're invested too. So it's good. I would say it's good. And, and like I said, it's, it's all about the team at the end of the day. And real estate's a team sport. You know that. It's 1,000% a team sport if you're going to do things at scale, right? It's, it's bigger than you and it's more than you'll ever be able to accomplish by yourself. So that is really intriguing for me. So you're updating financials on a weekly basis. I know some managers wait until the end of the month to process all their invoices. You guys decided that it was better to have it real time or as real as you can have it? Yeah. So the in terms of the bank reconciliations, those are done. We, we have a bookkeeper on our staff as well. I forgot to mention that that reconciles and goes through invoices and work orders and the general ledger every single month. And then we look at it at the end of the month. And obviously when we make distributions, we have to look back. So that is taken care of, but we kind of like to see, okay, we put up a, especially when you do a refinance or some kind of liquidity event, after you created your value, let's say you refinance, you want to make sure that you're on budget. So then you're meeting your future cash flow distributions you represented to your investors and yourself. So So we kind of go through, okay, where are we at in repairs and maintenance, you know, at the end of the first week of July? Where are we at on appliances? Where are we at on any unit turns? Are we off budget? Are we, you know, are we on target or are we over? So we kind of, we don't want to wait until the end of the month because then we could be off budget by 20% and we wouldn't have known it. So we kind of just, I wouldn't say we take a deep dive, but we kind of skim through and we have an idea of our per unit costs that we are 
looking to achieve. So it's it's not too bad. But yes, at the end of the month, we do a more comprehensive analysis with the bookkeeper. Got it. Okay. And now I'm going to get selfish because I, I think we got all this stuff through that one. And so when when you 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 brand yourself as a value add person, as a do I. What are you finding when you look at your pro forma for your rent in year one and year two and maybe even year three versus what you're actually able to achieve? Because usually you're buying the thing occupied, I would assume it's not, you know, down at zero. And so your ability to ratchet the rents up against budget to get to, you know, that gross potential or that net that you're looking for can be challenging and sometimes erratic, right? We've bought things and we've had 75% of the property turnover in year one. We've bought other things and people are still there after three years. So how are you kind of navigating that? Because your revenue really drives your NOI on the backside. Yeah, yeah. it comes down to, I would say, Jerome's due diligence up front. You know, when you're under contract for an asset and really understanding the market. We invest in markets, at least when we started out to local markets where I knew what the market rents were. Whenever we did a pro forma, we never assumed that we would get to the rents I think we would get and we ultimately did get to, you know, we, we kind of look at, okay, where's where's the competition? What amenities does this building have? What doesn't our have? Can we put that in ours? Can we get to that level? I always kind of underwrite be- a little bit below um, what the competition is too, because at least we're not setting the bar when we do finish the renovation and the value add. So, in terms of you know rent projections, we've been we've been lucky and we've been able to exceed them on, on every single deal, which is great. But I think the reason that we're able to do that is because we're, we're we're doing a lot of due diligence on the market before we set in. And you know, as as we talked uh, earlier, Jerome is you know I worked for another real estate sponsor for six years and. The markets we operated in, guess what? Same markets I'm in now. So I had at least six years of experience in those markets. And I know what areas we invested in. And again, it wasn't multifamily, but I still saw trends there through different asset class. And, you know, especially on the office side, that's jobs, right? So where are the jobs? So I was exposed to there and spent a lot of time in, in all the markets that we're in now and where they were. So it's really getting comfortable with the markets first and doing a, a lot of research on the rent levels. I'm under about to go under contract potentially for another deal. And um, I mean, we're going to go tour it next Tuesday and we're literally going to go to every single building. We've already made calls to go into, you know, go into the competition and check out, you know, how are these finishes versus this building's finishes? What do they have that we won't have? How can we improve it? It's all that upfront uh, homework, man, that I think you got to do because if you're going to be representing, you know, 15, 20% increase in rents, you better be able to justify it because, you know, you can't just assume rent growth. That's just going to be organic through inflation. It just doesn't work like that. It could, you might get lucky, but your investors will look like you like you have 10 heads. So uh, we don't like to be perceived that way. I can't tell you how many times I've seen a pro forma where someone would send to me, hey, can you check this out? And they assume market rents like day one. I'm like, what are you doing, man? Like you realize that affects your whole like IRR and your whole, you know, discounted cash flow. You can't project you're gonna get to market rents in the first year, like hundred percent. What are you talking about? I don't know. I, uh, this is just a pro forma. Like, yeah, but you're representing your IRR on your pro forma. You have to show it's in place. So for us, we usually like to see what's in place the whole entire first year. And if it's if it works and the cash flow is there, great. And once we get to the value add, 
we'll be able to execute on our business plan. So that's kind of how we look at deals. It has to work when we buy it as well. Love it. Love it. Love it. And so one other question I'm curious about, and then I know we're coming up against time. I got one question to follow up after this one. So what are you doing for the units that you aren't renovating, right? You, you're conservative on what you think your rent premium is, and then you're still having those folks who are holding over, right? Are you saying we're going to get half or you're just taking the unrenovated unit straight to market? Like, what are you doing with those? Because those are squishy. And this is real deal property management right here, ladies and gentlemen. You don't get this anywhere else, I promise. Yeah, no, exactly. That's a good point. So we, I think you mentioned a 70% you had turnover in one of your buildings. That's pretty common with us too, especially when we're raising rents to a level that they weren't expecting. Obviously, we're improving the asset in the community too. So it, may, it makes sense. We like to still be under market, like I said, relative to the competition. So we try to minimize turnover. But we have had 70% of our tenants move out in one year, but it was staggered. It was over time. So we did get to 70% of them. In terms of the unrenovated units, yes, they got a rent increase. It wasn't as large as the renovated. You know, It was definitely a discount, 10%, 15%. But we were still able to hit our you know, business plan above and beyond where we thought in terms of the net operating income we were looking to achieve because we got to 70% of the units. And actually, you know, over those tenants, those 30% who's, who stayed through just rent, like 2 or 3% a year, they'll get to the market rents that we got on the other units as well, unrenovated, which is good, assuming they stay. And if they move out, then we'll just renovate it. We have a CapEx reserve that we held back, and we'll use the funds for, for that to get to all the units. And you know what? It's also good, Jerome. I'm glad you wrote this up because when it's easier to sell a value add deal when you go when you go to exit than a you know core stabilized asset to another buyer might be smart to leave some unrenovated units so then you can sell that to the next oh these 30% haven't been renovated you can get $200 more in rent oh okay maybe I'll pay a premium for the asset so that's you know we we try to leave a little bit of meat on the bone into the future as well yeah i think you have to right that gives them opportunity to see some upside because even though you can prove that the market can bear more than what you're getting at the property, if you've already gotten it all out, then what are they going to do? Exactly. Exactly. And it's, you'll get better pricing too. You know, it sounds counterintuitive, but it will usually pay a, a premium in terms of on a cap rate basis. It might, it might help because they're looking at their stabilized cap rate at the end of the day. So it, it definitely, definitely would help. That's the strategy. Again, I learned from working for the other operator too. Perfect. And hopefully that wasn't the answer to this next and final question. But Anthony, what words of wisdom do you have for our listeners? Yeah. I mean, you know, it it depends where you are in the game, but don't be afraid, regardless of whether you're a beginner, um, intermediate, advanced, keep building out your team, keep building out your, your vendor list, as Jerome and I were discussing, keep keep building out your staff, even if you don't property manage and you're going to hire another property management company, just build up that property management company list, build up those, you know, vendor lists that they use or you've seen or been coming in. It's, it's, it's really the property management for multifamily is really the, the key to success in, in my opinion in this business. So, you know, like I said, the piece of advice is to do your homework and do your due diligence on both the investment side and the property management side as much as you can. And don't be afraid to work with the team. Don't be, you know, don't do everything yourself. I have a partner. I have a whole staff around me now. 
I can't definitely can't do everything myself anymore. I tried to, and it was very tough. So I wish I started earlier to build out the team. Awesome. Awesome. Anthony, this was amazing. Ton of value for the listeners. I got to be selfish and check your process against mine, do some cheat sheet or note comparison. This is outstanding, man. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share with you. Oh, man, to the listeners, the pack's with you. We'll talk soon. You made it to this juncture, so you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review and share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack is with you.